I'm going to do a, a brief introductory talk uh, sermon for a, a few minutes just to kind of set the stage. Jesus talked to people. Jesus didn't just preach. The format that we use in church is not, it's not a wrong format. It's just not a, a theological format. Not, not if you want to hold true to Scripture. Jesus was sitting on a mountain talking to people. Most of the stuff that you read in the Bible was in a private conversation between two or three people. It was not in a mega church. There were no mega churches. When the Bible says in Acts that three or four thousand people got saved, they never got together. Those three or four thousand people never got together except maybe once or so. But it was maybe, and that was on the day of Pentecost. Most of the meetings after the day of Pentecost were in small home groups. People grow in small groups better than they grow in big groups. Big groups are fine, and they have a purpose. But if you went to college, you did not, you did not meet in a classroom this size. Very seldom in some colleges you'll have a large class like this, but it's very, very rare. And it's not always effective. Uh, there are a lot of difficulties in large gatherings, and we break them down into three. You know, we have a Saturday service and then two Sundays. But in, in our big gatherings, we normally have at the Civic Center when everybody comes, you know, and that's, you know, a big thing. But small gatherings are really nice. Family is where you grow the most. So I understand that we must find ways as a church uh, to engage each other. And so what I've decided to do is on Fifth Sundays is do Q&A, uh, which is an open forum discussion type format. And I, I like to aim the discussion so that we don't end up all over the place. Uh, and so if you allow me today, uh, before I do that, though, I, I want to, um, well, let me just do a couple of things. One is I want to pray for Savannah State today. And um, I want to pray for God's grace and healing in that school. How many Savannah State students do we have today? Yeah. Let's pray together. Father, we lift up before you the school, and we lift up before you, Lord God, those who have been impacted by today's, this week's events. We pray, God, for the young man's family whose life was lost, and we pray for your healing touch upon them. We pray, God, that you would do for them what only you can do. And I pray, God, that you would help, help there be an awareness and a finding of the young man involved or the young men involved in this. And also pray, God, that you would help, help the, those who leave the school to find peace and healing. We also pray for the officer who lost his life as well, the one who was shot in the back while pumping gas. Lord, touch his family. We pray, God, for our world that has really become a world that's somewhat confusing. There are a lot of things that confuse us. It's hard to figure out why things happen. But I thank you and praise you for your healing touch in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. All right, I'd like you, if you would please, um, to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 8 in your sermon notes. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 8. And repeat the topic with me, please. Say questions. That confuse you in life. Say it again. Say questions that confuse you in life. Today we do a Q&A, and this Q&A, the goal is to target you in that direction. We're going to talk about questions that confuse you in life. Saul is our case study, and he's the guy who was confused about a guy named David, which is interesting. This is a verse that in that first, first Samuel 18, it's a verse that really summarizes a very confusing experience. David was a young man who was very loyal to Saul. 
you know David from chapter 16 of, um, of chapter, well, 1 Samuel chapter 16, where he has this great musical ability. Saul is struggling. Well, let me go a step further. Chapter 17, you really know him, because that's where he slayed Goliath. He slew Goliath. And so in chapter 17, there's one chapter before this chapter, he's a hero. And the chapter before that, he's, he's a musician. He's part of Saul's band. Saul would get all stressed out, and his uh, leaders decided to pull a band together, and they play music for him to calm him down on his bad days. And David was a part of that band. He was recruited because he could play. Can you imagine David out there playing his harp with all those sheep? I bet he had them dancing. So this is the guy that had been around since he was 17. In chapter 18, where we are, he's 22. So for, for all these years, you've got this, this young man who's sort of been around a little bit. And now in chapter 18, he's, after slaying Goliath in chapter 17, he's now highlighted as an incredible celebrity. People love him. And so the ladies, of course, made a song about it. He's, he's tall, dark, and good looking. And, he, and they make a song. And the song said, David has slain his ten thousands and Saul has slain his thousands. And Saul hears the song and doesn't like it. Because in Saul's mind, this song says that David has more favor than he has. And you'll discover in life that some people don't like you to have an advantage over them. They like you as long as you're beneath them. You'll find that out as you grow older and things change. You'll see some people really have a hard time when they see you advance. And they don't always know they're having a hard time. But 1 Samuel chapter 18 makes this statement. Saul was very angry, verse 8, and, they, and the saying displeased him. 1 Samuel 18, now verse 8. They have ascribed to David 10,000, and to me they have ascribed only how many? Thousands. It's amazing that he's not happy with thousands. He wants to make sure he has thousands. If they said 100,000s for him, he'd be happy. But because they said thousands for him and ten thousands for David, he's upset. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? That's a big leap. That's a huge leap. How in the world could you say this young man, David, who's 22 years old, is somehow now trying to take your kingdom? The same guy who slew Goliath, the same guy who sang in your band, the same guy. Now, all of a sudden, you have this opinion. Have you ever had a person have an opinion about you that confused you? <clears throat> you just couldn't figure out, how could you believe that about me? I, I haven't earned that. Well, David's in that place. And so for a period of eight years, he chases David, tries to kill him. So I want you to imagine this for a minute. He's 22, right? 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. You chased me for eight years over a song that I did not write. <laughs> Have you ever been confused? Have you ever been, why, why do my parents treat me like this? I don't get this, right? Why, why is my brother or my sister or my, why, why, the professor? Why? What is it? My hair? What is it? My face? My tone? What is it? You feel confused, and that's why, let me share my graphic today, the questions are about things that confuse you in life. And I want you to think about that for a second. The questions about things that confuse you in life. Say that with me, please. Come on. Questions that confuse you in life. So that's what this is about. And so I want you to ask me questions, and they cannot be, let me tell you, theological questions. So here's the deal. You can't ask me about Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. 
Today I won't know. <laughs> Ask me another day. And I do that. I do Q&A sometimes, and I'll answer Bible questions, just, just Bible questions. But if you're home watching, and there's a number, there's, you can email me at pastor, I think it's at overcomingbyfaith.org, or there's a way that they've told you on the screen that you can send the message to me. And so if you have an online question, you can send it in, and we'll be glad to answer it as well. So here's the deal. Okay, you ready? It's that simple. I, I've got a sample question for you, some examples of questions people have sent in. Now, the Bible questions, some did send me some Bible questions, and I did answer them already. So I've already responded to my email, which is, what's my email again? Pastor at what? Overcoming by faith. You don't know my email? I told you a thousand times. What's my email? What is it again? Pastor at overcomingbyfaith.org. And I scare you because I answer. Sunday nights, they start popping up, and I'll answer back, and they go, oh, goodness, you're kidding me. I said, that's right. I am here, for real. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. And I'll do that as long as I can. I think it's really great. I think one of the big mistakes is not connecting with people and being too distant. So here we go. Uh, let me give you a couple of questions people ask me. Ready? Why do people result to violence when they are angry? I, I think in some cases people have been, um, in our culture, taught to be angry and taught how not to resolve issues. But I, I think historically it's always been true. People have used violence in ways that were unproductive way back to the beginning of man. And so I don't know that um, we always understand why, but if I were to guess at it, I would say they don't see another route when they're upset. That's why when you're angry, you need to step back. And that's why you need to be careful when you travel down this path of anger. Um, I've been asked a lot in these sessions about uh, angry families and children, and I've specifically been asked, if I can switch this question around a little bit, about bullying. And I, I've said um, in each of the services when I've been asked this, I said, we train people to be angry and bully-like at home. We, we do it with our, our children. Um, the way you talk to them, the way you uh, engage them is, a, is an education. I don't know if you know that or not, but it, it's, a, it's a form of education. So I'm going to do something to illustrate what I mean, and I want you to just, I'm going to yell, so don't get nervous, don't jump, okay? I'm about to do what? Yell. You ready? So what you say? I'll come over there and slap you the next, ne the next week. See? Think about it for a minute. What are you teaching? You're teaching a person this is how you respond when you're angry. This is how you respond. Throw in a couple special words. You know, the ones that we don't want to talk about. You throw in a couple of those, bow at them a little bit, and all of a sudden, you're training a person. You're really training a person to bully. You say, no, no, I'm disciplining them. No, there's a difference. Discipline is more, more control. It's more focused. That's anger. You have embarrassed me. And now I want you to know I don't take that. And so a lot of times, I think a lot of the anger and the behavior of our kids has been um, nurtured at home. And it's not intentional, necessarily, but it is pretty effective. Uh, not all the time. I'm not saying all kids who bully and all kids who are angry or who resort to violence are somehow taught that by their parents. Because you know, my mother was never violent, never, never verbally aggressive never cursed, um, and so I, I, I don't think every parent does that. 
but, but I think it affected me because it made me not want to be that way. I really have this thing about cursing that just, it rubs me wrong. It, and I hear it in movies, which is, to me is unnecessary. And I, um, you know, I'll look at the parental controls on a movie before I go see it. And if they got too many of the, the wrong A, B, C, D, E blank, okay, <laughs> I won't go see it for that reason. I say, I don't need to hear all those. There's 30 of them in there. Why don't I hear 30, 30, 30, 30, 30? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 29, 30. Okay, we're done. Oh, there's 31. Somebody didn't count well. You know, it's just, I, I think it's un, unhealthy. I grew up around it. My family members were professional cursors. And so I heard a lot of it. I heard a lot of it. Uh, and you can almost become desensitized. But I'm making a point that, that all of that combined creates something. The music creates it. You know, when, a lot of the music is full of it, and uh, you know, and, and it's. Uh, I don't. Um, I'll, I'll answer another question somebody asked me earlier. They said, um, I, "Why don't you listen to certain music?" I don't listen to anything I don't want to do. I only listen to listen to music that I'm that I'm willing to. I'm willing to do what it says. If it's telling me to do something that I don't want to do, you know, I love you, baby. I really do, but she is so fine. I can't help myself, you know. <laughs> no, and I keep singing that all the time. And before you know it, she does look fine to me, and I can't help myself. And I don't want to sing anything that's inconsistent with, you know, lie to your church, lie every Sunday. You know, if I sing that kind of song, uh, and you heard me singing it, you said, Pastor, what kind of song you sing? You, you're listening to lie, lie to your church, lie every Sunday. You know, you know, uh, beat your wife. Beat her down to the ground, you know, beat her, beat her, beat her, you know. You, you would say that that's inconsistent with what I should be doing. So that's my point. I, I, I really believe I am trained, and I think a lot of anger is trained. I think a lot of that stuff is nurturing in you, the music you listen to, the songs you listen to, the way your family nurtures you. And I think, I think it leads to a lot of violence, I, I think because you become a conditioned in a way that says this is okay. So that's, that's the question that I was asked. Here's another question, you ready? What brings about cheating when the other spouse is giving everything and seemingly doing the right thing? Um, cheating is not always connected to you. It's connected to a need in the person. Whenever I counsel somebody who's done this, I always ask them, what'd you get out of it? Almost without question, they say nothing. I'm really sorry I did it. Very few people that I've dealt with cheated and enjoyed it. They, they seem to enjoy it for a moment, but long term. And in this room, there are people who've done it. Don't, don't raise your hand. But there are people who've done it. And, and, they, and they would tell you, if they were you know, being transparent, they'd say, it wasn't what I thought. Uh, grass always looks green on the other side, but all grass has to be cut. It just, it just does. And I think it, it really is important to, to, to understand it. That's what keeps me from doing that. Next month, I'm doing this series, starting next week, on called Bedroom Blindness. Everybody say it with me, please. Come on. Bedroom, Bedroom Blindness. Blind. What the Bible says about your sex life. It's a great, great, great month to come to church. It's going <laughs> to be good. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm going to talk about why leaders fail. Why people like me. I'm going to talk about that. I ain't done nothing, but I'm going to tell you why people. So he confessed in church. I heard him say it. Yeah, he said, people like me. I heard him say it. I, I'll tell you, somebody asked me, they said, Why, what has kept you from doing that? Somebody asked me the other day. 
I think, I, first, of all, I, first of all, I don't think it works. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'd get anything out of that. I, I'm, I'm, I've, been, I've been married 35 years. And I, I don't believe, I don't believe it works. I, I just don't believe it works. I don't believe, I don't believe it works. I, you know, do, do you ever see pretty girls and say, ooh, yeah. But I say, ooh, no. <laughs> I might go, ooh, but I go, no. <laughs> because you know, cute is cute, and that's about that far. I, I was in college. I'm telling you, a guy, a, he's, a, he's a friend of mine now. He, he, um, uh, he spoke to me in college. And I'm telling you, it revolutionized my life. It was a girl walked by me. She was knocked down gorgeous. Oh, goodness, man. Man, she was so pretty, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> when she walked by, you hold your breath. <laughs> and I never will forget saying to him, I said, man, she is so cute. He said, she wants to be married so badly. That's what he said. She really wants a husband. And then he did something that it was powerful. He said, but looks go that far, Temple. That far. And when he did that, I thought, oh. I mean, he held his hand up like that to his face. I saw him years later. I said, that, that move saved me. Because all her friends know that. Don't let, that, don't let those looks fool you. I, 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 <laughs> don't tell anybody this. I, I went out with a girl one time. This is true. I went out with a girl one time. And you know what she said? She said, well, she said, it's when you know, you, one of them dates, you know, you kind of, I don't know how I end up on this date. We worked together, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, let's go out. So we went out, you know. And I remember she said, she said, what do you do? You, what you in school for? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm studying theology. I'm going to be a minister. And she said, you know I'm the devil. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped going out with her. That was the last day. She did. That's what she told me. She said, you know, I'm the devil. I'm the devil. You don't need to be out with me because I'm the devil. <laughs> said, Jesus' name. <laughs> She's the cute devil, but she was the devil. I'm telling you. So, you know, I, but what's helped me is I understand, I think, from experience and from, from um, having just dealt with people over the years, it just doesn't work. So cheating for me isn't really an option. Um, it's just not. I just, it doesn't work in the long run because of what it does to me, what it does to the person, and what it does to the world around me. It's just not worth it. And so, amen? Come on. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Last question. How do, you, how do you continue to keep faith alive when it seems that doors are always slammed in your face? I, I, I think doors that are closed in my face probably sometimes are for my benefit. I look back and see a lot of doors that I knocked on that didn't open. I'm glad they didn't. I don't think I was ready for some things. Even as a church, I think our church is ready for some things now that we weren't ready for even a few years ago. Uh, I, I think we are better with our money. I think we're better in terms of planning. I think we're better uh, in managing people. Uh, you know, there's 3,200 active members here, and it takes a lot of, lot of things to make that work. And so... I think our approach to membership is better. I like this membership by appointment thing we're doing. I, I think we're getting smarter. And so I think sometimes doors close because you're not ready yet. When, I, when people sometimes interview me for, with me for a job, I can tell they're not ready to work in this environment. They think they are, but I can tell they're not. 
And sometimes the door will be closed, not necessarily forever, but until they get to another place. And sometimes when people interview you for jobs, sometimes people see things. What you should do is ask, well, tell me what would make me a better candidate for this kind of position. And, and really listen. Don't say, well, I don't believe that. So, see, they're not going to tell you. <laughs> people are so worried about being sued and stuff, they won't tell you the truth. You have to be the kind of person that can hear the truth. Well, it's the way you came to the, the, the meeting today. You, you came in real casual clothes, and this is the bank. Or you came and um, came late. When you came late, we immediately said, this is not the kind of person we want to be a manager. And so my point is you, you, you really start learning a lot of lessons about why things are closed and all that good stuff. So hope that helps. Now, your turn. Now, here's the deal. They're going to come get this, move this from me, and I'm going to sit here, and, and for the next uh, few minutes, 20 minutes, if you don't say anything, I'll just look at you and you look at me. Uh, so I, I do this again because Jesus talked to people. So uh, there are guys in the aisle, and uh, they're going to uh, pass the mics to you. If you're home, you can, again, send a question in, and we'll respond to them. Uh, and I'm only going to do, again, not, not Bible verse questions today, but just quest questions that confuse you in life, okay? Somebody have a question for me right on the front row. I like that. You're going to be first. That's good. Uh, you're going to be first in line. And who else has a question? Just raise your hand. They'll bring the mics to you so we can kind of get the ball rolling. What's your question? Can you, can you explain the egotistic view of men? Reason being is a lot of times I know that some men, when they get backed up in the corner, they come out with, that type of view for their answer. You mean the egotistic, the, the ego of a man, why is he so aggressive, why they come out swinging? Um, a lot of times, and thank you, take the mic back. A lot of times, men, when they're engaging women, uh, women violate all the male rules when they talk to men, all of them. <laughs> and men violate the women's rules. Now, so you know the women, women's rule, ready? When, um, yeah, for example, I'll give you a woman rule, okay? Girl, you know you, you can't cook, <laughs> nor can you clean, and you don't know how to fix your hair. Am I doing good so far? <laughs> Have I violated some rules, right? Have you said, you, did he say what to you? <laughs> what did he say to you? He said that to you. <laughs> what did you do? What did you say? See? So you understand that? Uh, there, there are certain things you don't say. There are certain ways you don't communicate. There are certain tones you don't have. There are certain attitudes you don't have. Um, women are more open, and they can talk about stuff. Men, for you give, you give you a man rule. Um, how your legs doing, man? My leg, why are you asking me about my legs, man? How your body? You don't ask a man anything about his body. Women talk about their body all the time. This hurt, that, that's hurt, and this is, this is cramping, and I, we don't talk about any of that stuff. All that's off limits. No body questions. Um, know how you feel. Some feeling questions. That's why a lot of men don't like church, too touchy-feely. Raise your hand. What, what? Raise my hand. What am I raising my hand for? A whole hand. All right. Now, if she find a whole hand, that's good. <laughs> but men are not touchy-feely. So a lot of times men don't like church because church to them can be too touchy-feely, all that. So when you get married or you're relating to a guy, 
women are verbally, sometimes to men, aggressive. And they're not trying to be. They're not trying to be hard. They just, they'll, they'll look you in the eye and ask you a question. So where's the money? <laughs> see, you just violated all the rules right there. See? Number one, you're staring at me like, you, like I need the answer to you. Number two, you're asking me a direct question. Now, that's, that can sound so petty, but here's a better way to say it. Say, honey, you know, I was really looking at our money. I just want to kind of be a help, figure out what's, it seems like it's been getting away from us. You don't want to make it sound like I'm directly accusing you, even if he's the one. <laughs> it's how you say it. It's how you say it. Instead of saying, uh, did I get it? Okay. That's, that's, okay, I'm getting the hand clap on that one. It's, 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 it's really important in the world of men, show respect, not embarrass. But these the women these days. He could be in the next room, or in the same room. Child, I'm dealing with a child. I got, a two, I got three children. I got three children. Three. Oh, he, oh baby, let me tell you, he's the nastiest man you ever saw. He'd leave his underwear on the floor. He just, you know what I'm saying? It's just. <laughs> they're more aggressive verbally, they, they say, you know. And a lot of it's because I think they're mad. And they got reasons to be angry. But I think that's why they end up in these, you know, tiffs and fights and stuff. So it's how you say it. Uh, you know, if I understand the man rules, so generally when we talk to each other, I don't know if you ever noticed this, men don't look eye to eye like that much. We're not eyeball to eyeball like that. You know, we kind of look, I hate to say it like that, but uh, um, let, let me, um, let's see. Uh, who am I going to bother today? Uh, you, you mind? Yeah, come on. I'm going to bother you today. Um, no, no, I'm not going to get you. I'm going to get you second. I'm going to get him first. I'm, I'm going to call you up second. I'm going to show you. I'm glad you stood up because I want to ask you too. That's good. Come up here. Stand up here for a second. Here, stand here for a second. Um, okay. Sit there. Yeah. Hot seat. Ready? Don't you hate this? Coming to church, I bother you. Ready? I don't hate coming to church, but I hate this. You hate this, right? <laughs> okay, now I'm going to ask him a question, right? How was your day? Great. That's it? <laughs> he didn't say nothing. He didn't say anything, right? Didn't say anything, right? Um, how was work? Good. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, bro. We're done. Come on. Yeah, come on. Come on, you want to be a part of this. Come on, girl. I called you up here. Come on. Come up here. Come on. Let's see somebody cheering for you in the back. Got your cheerleaders. Get up on the hot seat. Hot seat. Okay. Hello. Okay, how was your day? It was a blessing. I enjoyed it. We did a lot today. See? More words. You saw that? We did a lot today. You see what I'm saying? Um, um, so what, what do you, what do you, uh, what excites you? Finishing up my PhD right now. Focus. What God has for me, I'm really focused on that, and finish writing my paper for my comp exam. So. See, no, notice how much information I'm getting. Right. <laughs> I don't find out what school she's going to, what paper she writing. You understand? He ain't telling me nothing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank careful, you. careful going down. Okay. Give her a big hand, would you? Yeah. See. Man rules, woman rules. And, and I think when you engage, you, you have to kind of figure that out and help work through that. And every, on both sides, you learn to adjust. You learn to, men learn to talk more. Women learn to talk a little bit less. Or a little bit, 
more in, in pieces. Diane's approach to me is always, uh, can, I, can I ask you something? She'll ask me. She'll say, is it a good time to talk about? She'll ask me. If you bust in the door and say, I'm not, the night is the night. We talking and I don't care what you say. Cut that TV off. And, you know, he's saying, who is this ninja coming up in here? Who is this? <laughs> she wasn't like that when we were dating. She was quiet. You used to ask her where she wanted to go eat. You said, where you want to eat? She said, I don't know. Get married. I don't want to go to that old dirty restaurant. I never did like that place. You know, she started changing on you. Just help a little bit. A little bit. Okay. Somebody else have a question for me? You got one online? What you got? What you got online? Online question. It says, what advice should I give a Christian woman who has been verbally abused by her Christian husband for over 20 years and physically abused also? Can I give you a, a, a simple principle? People will do what you let them do. They, you know, if you let them do it, and um, you, got, you have to decide that you don't want that. The person has to decide that Nothing is worth that. Let me, let me give you an example. I love passion in this church. I love being here. And I'm not saying this because I have a problem. I don't have any problems. I don't have any deacons, elders. I don't have anybody bothering me. I'm fine. I'm a happy person. I really am. So I'm, just, I'm not saying this in defense of something. There's no hidden message. I'm just making a statement for Ricky Temple. I would not be here if I was being harassed. I can work. I am not afraid to work. I'm not, I don't need a job that bad. I got other places I can go. I'm here because I love this church. They love me. I don't tolerate abuse in my life. I don't need it that badly. I can live in the car, even though I'm not going to be living in the car. You understand? But I just don't have that need. What you have to do when you tolerate abuse is analyze yourself and say, where am I? What makes me need this? Because I'm telling you now, Diane, lay your hands on me. I'm calling 911, and I'm pressing charges against you. Now, praise the Lord. Write that down. Say, I told you. I mean that. You better not come through me and try to have, have me up here all beat up looking, and I'm lying to y'all. I said, I fell down. No, uh, no. Put a picture. Diane hit me. Here's a video. Bam. <laughs> I think you got to stand up for yourself. I mean, I, and I don't think always, you know, um, you, you know, you, you just have to analyze your heart and say, why am I accepting that? So my prayer for you is, is that you work it out. I hope he changes. I hope it changes. If that can happen, that's great, because there are people who have been through that. Because sometimes it's the woman abusing the guy. Sometimes the woman picks the fight, doesn't justify it, and you go to jail, you're wrong. And I, I'm just totally against it. I'm totally against abuse on either side. But there are thousands of women who abuse men every year. Thousands. Oprah Winfrey says so. <laughs> I saw it on her show, so, so, so I know I'm right, okay? <laughs> she did. Google it. She's 100,000. Some of them right in here, you just as nice, but you know you a kung fu. Or you know you a kung fu and swing and hit and bite in a minute and shoot. I go to prisons. I was in prison last week preaching. I go to prisons every month. I'm in a couple of prisons. And I, was, I did three women's prisons this year. And they are, let me tell you, what? Huh. They're in there for a reason. <laughs> I, I'm telling hundreds. I mean, it's a crowd this big, full of women, all prisoners. Did all kinds of things. And, and this is cute as they can be. I have to remind them. Mm -mm 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 -mm. <laughs> remember, remember, remember where you at, you know. 
So, praise the Lord. Amen. Next question. I better get off that fast. All right. Who else has a question? Where we at? Raise your hand. Right here in the front. Okay. All right. Right here. What's your question? We coming to you. Coming to you. Mike is on the way. There you go. What's your question? Hey, um, my question is, how do you decide on, I guess, a profession or if you're currently in a profession, but you kind of question it, um, how do you make that decision on, is this right for me? Should I do this for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. I, I, I'll give you a couple of answers that might surprise you. Thank you for your question. Um, okay, now I'm going to say a non-preachy thing. Okay, because <laughs> I just need to be straight. Everybody want, everybody want me to be honest? Raise your hand. Amen. All right, here we go. Um, you work to make money. That's the ultimate bottom line. I mean, I know, I know all the, the high idea of purpose and all that. I, I'll get to that in a minute. But if, if you're going to take a job that does not pay you enough to live and you're going to be struggling all your life, you need to review that job. I see musicians do this all the time. I see people who want to be in the arts do it. They want to be in acting, and they want to sing, and they want to do stuff. But <clears throat> they forget they have to eat. So I think you should um, get a job that will provide enough to give you a decent and respectful livelihood. And I think you need to develop a skill that you like that can help you do that. Sometimes you like you like your job at maybe, if 10 is really happy, your job is like a four or five, but you are really good at it. And you can make a lot of money doing it. At level nine of your joy, joy, joyful desires, maybe it's singing. But singing doesn't make any money. You need to stay at the four job and sing part time. You, you understand what I'm saying to you? You got to be really honest. Because I've seen people do this. I saw a guy, he was uh, a lawyer, and he decided he wanted to be a preacher. He felt called of God to preach. So he went, and he became a preacher. This is a guy, um, he's up from uh, New York area, nice guy, really great guy. And uh, he, <laughs> I saw him once, and, I, and he was just looking awful because he didn't have but 30 people in the church. And he quit his law business, and so he was preaching. But he felt called and excited about the call of God. And it, but he looked awful. So I, I looked at him, and I said, man, you look awful. Because <laughs> he was, at, at that moment, he was like in really financial straits, really bad places. So, so you want, I, I can tell you what I did. I gave him a couple hundred bucks, right? And I said, and he smiled. I said, see, it's money. <laughs> you're used to having it now you have none so I said go back to your job and preach on the side and when the preaching can take care of you go preach but you, they, you were making six figures they can't afford to pay you that so go back and I don't know if he did it or not but I'm telling you he looked awful <laughs> so, so does that help you a little bit you know, and, and be honest, what, what are you good at? You know, what are you, what, 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 what can, what, what do you offer this of value? And if you don't have something that, that can pay you the most, then what you should do is find another way to improve your skills so you can be worth more money. And then I believe ultimately um, you'll, you'll find a place of happiness. 
Some people say, no, it's, you just get happy first. You can be happy and broke. And then you won't be happy. I've seen a lot of pastors do that. I know a lot of pastors that I think should go back to work. I tell them that. They should, amen, that's right. They should go back to work. They should go back. They should go back to work. That's what they should do. Because they, 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 don't, they don't have a, Obviously, at this season of their life, their skill set is not at the level that it can pay them enough to take care of them. And so that's what I would say. I hope that helped. Okay. Somebody else have a question you'd like to ask me? Right here? Okay. Right here in the front. This is the, this is the hot section. You'll be next? Okay, great. All right. What is your question? We got about 10 more minutes, 15 more minutes here. First off, let me say, don't nobody get offended. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, it's 2015, so, like, the men and women roles, I think, have changed a lot. Um, so what do you do, like, for, I'm going to use myself as an example. Okay. In my household, I was uh, taught to be independent, independent, independent. On the contrary, my brother was babied. So how do I, you know... Because in a relationship, I'm just like this stronghold, independent woman. And, you know, the Bible talks about being submissive. So how do I decipher, like... How do you balance put, that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of women today are, are more like you. I, I think by virtue of the fact that a lot of men have abandoned their roles, a lot of men, a lot of women do not have a good story to tell. And so they, they really don't know how to uh, not be that way. And that's out of necessity. Uh, what really concerns me is more women are going to college, more women are finishing. I think that's because we don't focus on men. And there's, men, men are really isolated. Women are embraced differently than men. If a woman's hungry, we go, oh. If a guy's hungry, we say, lazy. You know, we have a double standard. Uh, unless you have a boy that you're raising, sometimes you can be very insensitive to men and not understand that your young boy can be... Um, put in a category that's, that makes him back up a little bit. And then I don't think, being candid, I don't think that women always know how to raise boys. I don't think that they, and they don't ask, they just assume they know. So they never seek counsel or advice. They don't have this kind of forum where they can talk about it. And so a lot of times they beat down the courage to control the fire. They beat down, I saw a, a classic example, I've told this many times, I saw a sister, she took, we were in the mall, and she hit her brother in the chest hard and said, man up. And then she accused him of doing something he did not do. And later she found out that he was, she was wrong, and she apologized. And he was so mad he couldn't hardly talk. He was so mad, he was just, he was just puffing, and she told him, be a man, stop being a wimp, be a sissy. That's what she told him. And I looked, I, I didn't say anything, but I wanted to say, there you go, girl, train him up. One day he'll be a little bigger than your girl and you won't be able to do that. And you raise your own dragons. You know, I've seen a lot of mothers, as their boys get older, they build fire on them. Because a lot of times, and, that, and they, maybe they didn't know, but raising a boy is a little bit different in terms of how he thinks. It's like raising a girl. You know, I've learned, let me flip it for a second. A girl needs her daddy to give her money. He needs her daddy to be sensitive. He needs her daddy to be present more than anything. There is something that a girl needs that a guy doesn't need in the same way. And raising a boy and a girl, you see it. There's something that I give to Christina 
by, because daddy is like, daddy's going to be there. In her mind, she does not have the view he's not there. As a matter of fact, I told her, if you ever go to one of those services where they have the cry for your daddy thing, and you go up to the altar, I'm going to hit you in the back of your head. <laughs> Shoe is coming. You better duck, baby. I'm going to crown you. You dare go up there. But the average woman doesn't have that story. When your daddy raped you, your daddy, oh, Jesus, what in the world is that about, dude? I mean, and, and you know, it's just amazing. And I, so I'm saying that to say we make women like that. But they don't feel they should have to be that way. That's why they're angry. They feel cheated. I shouldn't have to do all this. I should not, and you shouldn't. The men in the family, if there's no guy there, the men in the family should help you. Families make the big mistake of not fighting together. I, I've worked hard to create a, we fight together. Your car break, we all fix it. You have a need, we all, we all, we all work. Nobody in temples, everybody's got to work. Nobody's lazy. Everybody cleans the house, everybody, everybody, everybody. So no one person feels like you feel. So what you do is you just try to, to, to make sure you understand that, okay, I was damaged, I didn't get my fair share or whatever, my mom had to be tough, I had to be tough, but let me not make my husband pay for it. Let me tone it down a little bit. Let me, let me uh, submission is not a call to be a doormat, it's a call, the word simply means to be in proper alignment. It means that we're in alignment. And that, that's how it works. I'm up here pastoring, right? I'm leading the conversation. You shouldn't be jumping up, taking over the conversation. That's improper. That's out of order. So in your marriage, I can't be the father in the house and Diane won't let me. But then I don't need to be a goofy father either. But then I don't need you to be determined whether I'm goofy or not all the time. I hereby say goofy, not goofy. And you treat me, you submit based on your feelings. I think one of the great things that has worked in my marriage, Diane has a strong personal conviction that she should, she should submit to her husband. And I have a strong conviction that I should love my wife. You blend those two together, it works. If one is not present, it's hard. So I have my responsibility, she has hers, but Diane really, Diane, Diane has a really strong conviction. And because she works for me, that even, that's another layer of complication. You know, it really is, and, and we've had to really work on that. We tell people don't do this unless you, don't, don't do this at home, this is difficult. You shouldn't always work with your mate, because you can't, your marriage can be, we have a lot to fight about. You know, <laughs> we got more than you got to fight about. Oh, Lord Jesus, yes, we do. So, did this help you a little bit? You got what I'm saying to you? Good, all right, it's okay, you'll be fine, you'll do fine. And especially when you find somebody, Diane found me, and your heart be melting, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. <laughs> I don't mind submitting to Ricky. Ricky, okay. But sometimes Ricky can be a jerk. Ricky has to watch himself. Ricky can get kind of, I'm intense. You know, you don't lead like this if you're not. You know what I mean? And, and I could be too intense. Uh, and I've had to, everybody has to adjust. And every now and then what we do is we renegotiate the contract. Because as we gotten older at different levels, the contract changes. One of the questions that people ask me often was, why why has it become hard to relate? Well, sometimes, you know, when first floor, our relationship is fine. First floor, second floor, that's hugging and kissing. When you start climbing up, it becomes more and more difficult. And more and as she got older, you know, Diane's 59, as she, I'm 57, and she, and she robbed a cradle, didn't she? Uh-huh, saw that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when she, when, as we got older, <laughs> stop it, 
as we got older, <laughs> I'm sorry, baby, that was fun. As we got older, as we got older, we've changed. Her knees have changed. And sometimes as women get in their 40s, they get more assertive because they say, it's my time now. It's my time. Children growing up now. And, they, and, they, and you have to feed that. You have to encourage. All right, girl, what you want to do? Go back to school. Good. Let's go back to school. You know, you can't because they change. Men change. Men go through a lot of different phases. And I, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I don't go through those phases. And adjusting to the climb is what's made our marriage work for 35 years. Every level, we got to renegotiate the contract and sometimes back up a little bit. And, and so she'll feel aggressive. I'll feel aggressive. We have to kind of work it out. So a lot I've said. But I hope that helps. Thank you. Woman. Give her a big hand. Great question. Wonderful question. All right, somebody else. I'm going to take a couple more, and then I've got to go. We got one more online. We got one more here. What else we got? We got one here. Well, I got to get somebody who hadn't asked me a question yet. I got to make sure I get it. Okay. I'll see if I have time when we come back. I'll see if I have time. Yes. Then okay. you, and then maybe one more. Yes. I'm sure a lot of women can relate to this, and I have to pick on the women. Why is it that I'm confused at how we as Christian women, especially on jobs, we're so against each other. And I always wonder, the, the world is looking at us, and here we are bickering, especially when you're at different churches. You know, they're more concerned about arguing about why your church is this or your church that. And I'm like, what kind of light are we being? You know, nobody want to come to any of our churches if we're going to be, it's like we are haters of each other. And I don't understand that. You know, I, I, I think sometimes people feel that they have to be, let me talk about the church thing than the woman thing, okay? There's this need to be bigger and better than somebody. And that can be a very bad thing in church culture, where it's, it's about how big your church is and what you guys are doing compared to what we're doing. And, and, and a lot of times it can be just jealousy, just plain out jealousy. Just, you, and you have to deal with that in your own heart. I have to deal with that in my heart. I was, I, I've told the story many times. A good friend of mine, we were talking, he said, we had 3,000 people for Easter. And I think he told me, well, we, we had um, 30,000. Well, I didn't, I didn't tell you my number for you. To, I was just happy. I thought it was, amen. <laughs> then they went on to talk about what they gave $80,000 as a tithe. I said, well, that's good, too. I gave my little $10, praise <laughs> whatever I gave. You know, you, you, it was, and, and it, but he, I don't know that he meant anything by it, but what you get drawn into is this competitive thing. And I, I'm, I said those numbers so you can see. It doesn't matter how big a church is. You can have 100 people or 3,000 people. You know, the, the guys play the same game. People play the same game, and, and, and you have to get out of that in your families. You have to get out of that in business. You have to get out of that. You have to be so confident in who you are that it, I'm happy for what you have. What you have is not going to bother me. So once you get to that place, you're okay, but some people will never get there. So you just kind of let them go down their road, and they'll be okay. The woman side of this. I, I, you know, women have been through so much. You are the poorest in the world. You are the most sexually abused, you're the most physically abused, you are, you are on all the list of challenges, physical challenges, you have more illnesses, sicknesses, I mean in terms of uh, body management, a woman has to really pay attention to how she manages her body. Men need to manage their bodies, but they don't care, you know, <laughs> you know we, I mean really a lot of times they just don't care, you know, it's like well I'll be alright, oh that's it, it's hurting, been hurting for about five years now, but it'll be alright, you know, you know, 
That's why we die early. That's why we die you know, way early compared to women. Most of the time, a woman's pushing us around. You notice that's true. So, but I, I, well, women, I think, lose touch with the, with the need to bond together because they really need each other. You're going to be the, you know, the last ones living, according to the stats, you live longer than men. In your family, normally a woman outlives every man in the family. So you need each other, and you shouldn't be that way. But again, there is so much insecurity in the female culture because of the way you're trained to think. It's all about beauty and a man and, and having some status over each other. It's really, it's really tragic to watch. And I, I'm always amazed at the prettiest women are the most insecure. They're the ones who will do the most destructive things, fall into the, the worst habits, and they get to the place that they're not, they're, I think they've fallen out of love with life and themselves. And they fight a lot of depression and frustration. So a lot of times when you see that, you should pray for them because they're hurting. And when you talk to them, they're hurting. This woman that was so mean, she was so mean. I said, girl, why are you so mean? And she just cried. She said, I just want to be loved. I just want to be loved. And I, and I also think, if you look at the statistics, that 7 out of 10 women are molested in some fashion, that fact alone affects them. It makes them a little edgier, frustrated. It does something, and it's not fair. So a lot of times, when you see a woman who's hurting, if you know her story, you know why. Because here's how you know. Think about your sister. Think about your siblings. Think about your mother. Think about people you know that are female, and look at behind the scenes. Guys, think about the guys you know. Look behind the scenes. You can say, oh, I know, what, I know, I know where that comes from. That look comes from his daddy wasn't there. His daddy left when he was little, and his mama had to struggle. That look for her came from, that look came from when her mama would slap her, and her, you know, all those different things fed this need to stand up now and be strong. I ain't, I'm not taking it anymore. And so when I see all that, I normally just pray for them. I, I do. And it's amazing how sometimes you can, you, can, you can see God heal and deliver. And I hope he heals and delivers you today. Did this help you today? Did it really? Come on. Did it really help you? Praise God. Did you have one more? Did you have, did, did you have one more that was online? Yes. And we're done. Yes. Um, it says, uh, is it wrong for me to question certain things about Christianity when I research other religions? Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with all the different ways of living, and I don't know which religion will get me into heaven. No religion will get you into heaven. Jesus will get you in. Amen. Amen. No religion will get you in. No. Um, but let me, let me say this to you. God knows you're confused. And he's a big God. And he's not bothered that you're confused. Reach for him, and the Bible says he'll reach for you. The fact that you're watching this today from home, the fact that wherever you are, and the fact that you're engaged in this conversation means that you're interested. The Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. All you got to do is keep reaching, and you'll find the answer. And I believe that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The problem you may have is us. We don't always represent him well. And sometimes because we bicker, because we are not what we should be, we make you think that there are all these other choices. No. There's one way to God, but, but here's what I want you to do. Just keep moving like you're doing. 
Keep moving. You read all, whatever you want to read stuff, read it. But here's what I believe. When it's all said and done, you need someone that can save you, someone that can heal you, and I recommend Jesus to you. So thank you for watching from wherever you are. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We'll talk more later. I'll be here at, after service to answer more questions if you have some for me. But let's, let's bow our heads together and pray, shall we? Father, I thank you today for the service. I thank you for all that's been said and done. I pray, God, that people's lives will be touched and that people's hearts will be lifted. But where they've been frustrated, I pray that you'd bring healing and blessing. I pray, God, that you would restore, revive, renew hearts today. Change the direction of somebody today that's going in the wrong direction. I ask you, Lord God, to calm a nerve, lift faith, restore confidence, heal a heart. Whether they be here or at home, touch them in Jesus' name. Lord, somebody here needs to give their life to Jesus. They need to be what they call saved, which means to be delivered. They need to start a brand new life, new beginning. And there's some who said, I started with God, but I've gotten off track. I need, I need to redirect my life. I need to be, I need, I need to rededicate myself. And then there's some who need to be a member of a church. They need to be members of a new tribe. And I, and I want you to look at me when I pray this part. I want to say this to you. I want you to look at me in front. Some of you will forever be where you are until you reassign yourself, realign yourself. If you hang with the same people, you're going to have the same results. Membership is about you saying, I want to be a part of a family that, that does this. This helps me. I want to have a place I go. You know why the Cheers song was so successful? I want to go a place where everybody knows my name and they're really glad I came. You need to be a part of a fellowship, a church, where you, you know people. You can come and get better. So, Lord, I pray for people today who need to do that, that they would come and say, I need to be a part of a place where I can grow, touch lives. My launching pad to touch the world. I pray for those who are here at home, wherever they are, they feel that way. And I pray that, they would, that this be a day they make that kind of decision. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. In your seat pocket, there is a card. It's called a Get Connected card. I've been using this 